0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Oak Park Church of Christ, Ross Carrick Church of Christ and Hope for Life Christian Fellowship, three churches doing ministry together during this time. We're glad you joined us uh, as we discuss our current sermon series titled Cultivate, Growing in Spiritual Maturity. This week, Lane Scruggs, Kelly Scruggs and Tim Pippis discuss week one of our series, Growing in Spiritual Maturity, Freedom From and Freedom for." Happy listening. Well, uh, it's a pretty unique situation for three preachers uh, who regularly preach at their own churches to be able to come together and to plan uh, not just one message, but actually to plan a whole sermon series and a a string of messages. And of course, there's challenges that come with that, and there's some fun stuff that comes with that, and there's... um, fruit, if I can you know, riff off some of the imagery of, of the series that we're going through that comes from that. So one of the things that, as uh, Kelly and Tim and I were sitting around talking about, we just thought, wouldn't it be fun to have just a set time each week where we could uh, kind of shoot the breeze a little bit and talk and riff on the message that was preached this past Sunday. And hopefully that takes you a little bit further. Hopefully it's enjoyable uh, listening and uh, you, can, you can see some of what goes on behind the scenes for the preachers, but also uh, some that takes us a little further in some of those thoughts. So since I'm on the hot seat this week and, and I preached last week, maybe I'll uh, turn it over to Kelly and Tim and they can, they can ask any questions that they have and we can go from there and I can pick up on a few things that maybe I wanted to get to or wanted to
1: go deeper on but didn't,
0: didn't get to.
1: All right, well, I got an initial question. There's a famous Stephen King quote about, you know, every author has to kill their darlings. And in a pastor's world, what that means is, and you folks will find this hard to believe, but no matter how long-winded we are, we could have said a lot more. <laughs> and so I guess what I want to say is- My just, congregation won't what, find that hard, hard <laughs> to believe for me. What, what did you want to talk about that you had to cut because you were trying to live in a time constraint?
0: Well, you know what? One of the things I wanted to get to more of, and it actually it had less to do with the time constraint as it does in sort of the medium of preaching, um, because I actually felt like it would it would come off a little bit (laughs) too preachy, in a way, or or too much of a curmudgeon, which again my congregation sort of knows me as one. Um, But it's that piece that I sort of went near the end of the sermon when I was talking about freedom from and freedom for. And about cultivating right desires uh, within our heart and uh, to me that's sort of been one of the challenges of pastoral ministry as a young pastor uh, and just the surprise of uh, how many folks in our society and and, you know I'm gonna paint with a broad brush here both within the church and outside the church that that is a surprising uh, new reality for them Um, So what I mean by that is to say that so many of the people that I encounter that I do pastoral care and pastoral counseling with, uh, when I bring up things like, well, you know, our desires, we're not just created in such a way that we follow our desires because there's this thing called the fall. And actually uh, our sin has marred every part of us. You know, we're very quick to say, well, it's marred us physically. We're not you know, as healthy as we want to be. We're not as physically sound as we want to be. We, we're very aware of our aches and pains and we know that uh, the physical world is broken and fallen. And I think the church is just starting to sort of explore this idea of, hey, you know what, that actually means that that's probably true in the mental reality too, that, that our mental health is probably fallen. And, um, and it's not in perfect condition and perfect health and, and the perfect goodness that God created it with. Um, but I think there's a third area, and this is the area that I would get to, Tim, if I had a lot more time, is to talk about how our will is fallen and broken and how um, mm. actually desiring properly and, and, and correctly is not my natural state because of the fall, because... I am uh, malformed or misdirected as I talked about and, and I think there's so much more there because I actually don't think that that's something we talk a lot about at all. Mm-hmm. I think there's this sort of assumption within society that like well hey, this is my heart's desire, this is what I'm desiring and therefore it should somehow fit within the the image of the good life um, however that goes. So I, I don't know if you have any experience in that way or if you would agree or disagree or take exception with anything there
2: no there's always this uh there's always this tension for people when they look i mean within this passage that you introduced in john 15 uh to the mid mid part portion of that uh that passage it talks about you know if you ask the father will give will give yeah and so we have this we're always this wrestling with this idea that uh, well, if I just ask God, He'll give me whatever I want. Yeah. I mean, He knows the desires of my heart, and yet, uh, yeah, totally. we all have different angles on that, uh, different That's desires. True. And how does that work?
1: It's funny because at, at this moment in time, too, I think the evangelical world is reacting to this place where we we a lot of people would say we've undervalued the heart, and and so now we're moving into this like we really need to get back to the heart, and we do. But as we get back to the heart, we need to not forget what you were just saying, I think, which is that when you look into the heart, on the one hand, you know, Paul writes in, I think it's Romans 15, where he says, I'm convinced that you're actually full of goodness. There's the image of God and some of the desires of our heart are beautiful, right? Good. There's these amazing aspirations that emerge. Uh, And that's one of the great privileges of being a pastor is that you sometimes get this special window where you know stuff about people and you see some of their best that almost no one else knows. But on the flip side, all of us are stuck in a war with our heart. Everything in your heart isn't good. And so it's funny. I don't know about you guys, but as I see some of the new spiritual formation literature, some of it's all about just, you know, listen to your heart and almost without any sort of sense of, but by the way, there's a war going on in your heart. (laughs) And and, some, you know, if, and we all know this, like if we did everything we feel, our lives would be a bigger wreck than w- to whatever extent they already are, or right? I just speak for myself, but it would be a much bigger wreck, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and to your point, like there's kind of two things raised by, by that freedom thing. One of them is uh, this business of our feelings and how we're ruled by feelings as a society. Feelings are almost unchallengeable, they're sacrosanct. But on the flip side, like you said, it's like this will muscle that God has given us the ability to choose contrary to how you feel is the weakest muscle of the body. It's like everybody skipped legs day, except it's will day. and So other parts of our life are real beefy, but when it comes to just try to not do what you feel like doing, many of us, you know, if we try and fast for two hours, we can't take it. Mm -hmm. And and that's not even a high pressure scenario. It's like, just ignore your hunger.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's this really famous story of um, what probably one of the America's most famous preachers, Harry Fosdick, Harry Emerson Fosdick, and he preached at Riverside Church in uh, Manhattan, one of the first sort of true mega churches in in America. This beautiful building uh, by Union Seminary, and um, and people will say, you know, sort of where it all went wrong in some forms of of Protestant Christianity was was this sermon by Fosdick, which is a very famous sermon where. He sort of comes to this this culmination, this climax in his sermon, and and he sort of points at everyone in in the pews, and he says, you know, you are loved and accepted just the way you are. And on one side of that, I mean, that is absolutely the job that Tim and Kelly and I have, uh, is to affirm and and reaffirm in you that actually God loves you right where you are. Um, You know, you, you don't have to come any further for God to love you God loves you in, in the mess that you're in in the mess that I'm in in the brokenness and the reality but that's yeah. not the full part of the good news and that's part of what I was trying to get at last week with this freedom from and freedom for that's the freedom from peace um, yeah. but we actually the good news is that God doesn't leave me there <laughs> that, yeah. that I'm in this mess I'm in this brokenness but He is inviting me to something better that is actually true freedom uh, in this way, and and that's tied up to him, and exactly what you're talking about about the will. And Kelly, I mean, to your point about John 15, I wrestle with that too, right? Yeah. Like, what does Jesus mean? Abide in me, and whatever you ask, I will give to you. Uh, those are those are tough things to sort of
1: navigate. Mm-hmm. How do we take that? Totally. What are you thinking, Kelly?
2: Oh, I guess I'm thinking a little bit farther into kind of the greater. Ex- Extent of some of that. Um, This is just flattery, I guess, right now. But I was listening to Lane's uh, interview, actually, to earlier today on on with uh, theology. Was it theology? Theology shorts. Yeah. Theology shorts. Sean Brown talking talking a little bit about his um, thesis, doctoral thesis, and and about the church in general. And and I think uh, Lane was right on in a lot of that. um, And just. Discussing the fact of what is what is the church about, and I mean this is what we're really getting into. I'm sure Tim, with a bit of your message, but then moving into my message as yeah. well, coming up, um, is is understanding like how important this uh, this will and understanding our heart's desire in light of of who God is as uh, bearing His image, uh, and that it, it does reflect onto the rest of the church, and that this mm. is. This is uh, there's a fullness here that is that goes beyond ourselves, right? And so there's this Mm -hmm. fullness and this idea that um, God has more for us, and and there's a deeper and greater relationship. Um, We all know that if if we step out of our own way, uh, our relationships with people can get better in a lot a lot of times because you know most of the time the problems are ourselves, and the same on the other side of the the relationship, but if we can get out of our own way we will benefit in that relationship but of course there's this other dynamic with with christ and his church which is that um the fullness actually extends beyond ourselves and
1: yeah
2: and really is about the kingdom It really is about how the yeah an image upholds... you used
0: when we were talking about when we were planning this series has stuck with me you said something about you know, a lot of sort of spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual discipline series can become very individualistic or, or just personal, but if we can zoom out, mm. right. And I like that, that word picture of zooming out to see, because ultimately I think that's willing properly or, or, or willing improperly, um, is about an inability to zoom out. <laughs> We're sort of caught up with ourselves and our own yeah. desire and like, we aren't able to step back and, and you know if I can use a, a personal example and this is sort of humbling but I find this in parenting a lot you know like man I realize how selfish I am yeah. when I got three kids at home and I'm like what am I doing like my job <laughs> is to put them first ahead of myself and like I fail at that so often if I could just zoom out And see that healthier picture of of God's kingdom, of God's church, of true community and those types of things, right?
1: It's a funny thing because I think so often we picture spiritual maturity in this really emaciated, messed up way. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, if I was spiritually mature, I'd be honestly the most boring person in the world. (laughs) And, you know, like I would, I'd never watch a movie and I'd never listen to music and I'd never read books. Old Debbie Downer. Yeah, like, and I'd be critical and judgmental and all these things. And it's funny because somehow i don't think anybody would out loud agree with me but i think that gets in at a deeper level into our hearts so when we start talking about spiritual formation it's like oh you know i don't know if i want to go there Hmm. and like i I can't remember if i actually told you guys this story i heard this great story i was sitting in on a seminary class that a friend was teaching and one of the students talked about her former mentor she's an older lady a pensioner not much money Uh, And increasingly, she started to sense that God was laying refugees on her hearts, on her heart, not hearts. I think she only had one. (laughs) Um, But so she's wrestling with this and she's walking around and praying. And even that, that's a picture of maturity. This thing comes in and you start to learn how to sort through like, God, is this from you or is this just... A passing thought and so she sorted through and she prayed and she didn't have to spring into action right away and she started looking around and she realized you know I don't have much money but I have baking supplies and I'm a guess I guess she was a good baker and so she started baking pies and selling pies And in the end, she sold a thousand pies and donated this substantial amount of money. And I want to point out, like, she was not the CEO of some huge company. She didn't found a startup. She's this older lady who just started taking some small steps with how do I be faithful to God? And I think it captures, you know, Paul says in Galatians 5 uh, against these things, describing the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. And so often we think, you know, spiritual discipline stuff like this that's the end goal it's not the end goal we see it as a prison or a wall that's containing or restricting our real life and that's kind of what you were talking about last week Lane but on the flip side it's actually more like the first steps it's like the first day that you get a personal trainer and they make you do stuff that makes your body hurt for weeks And the reality is you never become a thousand pie lady if you don't do these exercises and a whole bunch more. But when you do these exercises, suddenly it opens up the freedom for, it opens up all of these glorious possibilities. And that's not just true individually, it's true of the whole church. And so something becomes possible in our families and communities and cities and all over the world that just isn't if we don't have this sort of vision of flourishing. That Galatians 5 and 6 piece, I mean, I would have
0: liked to, that's another thing that I cut from the sermon because I think it shows that it talks about freedom over and over and over and over, but it's always freedom for and what the flourishing that it brings. And and I think probably, you know, Kelly and and some of the later weeks, we're going to bring some of that stuff up. Um, A couple of the the sort of metaphors or analogies in my mind that, uh, that I didn't use for time's sake that I ended up cutting was just what you were talking about, Tim, it reminded me about the gym. Um, but I mean you know my son practices stick handling all the time on our front driveway and the reason he practices it is because he next season he wants to be able to toe drag a defenseman
1: well (laughs) that's a vision of
0: freedom that I can truly appreciate and I know you guys can too yeah the beauty of I mean that is flourishing if there's Uh flourishing Toe-dragging a defenseman, you know, going down the wing is exactly what you want to do. But you don't get there by stepping on the ice and thinking that you can do it. Oh, I've seen Alex Ovechkin do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You get there by, through the summer, practicing stick handling on your driveway, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the other analogy Chantal and I were talking about that I almost used was we love watching, like, those improv shows. Like yeah. those guys and gals are so talented, and I have zero of that talent. But we th- sort of think, Make oh, joke. they just you know they just get up, can't do it, I can't do it, <laughs> too on. much pressure. They just get up on stage and and they're free to you know Im- improvise and do this funny stuff. And but the reality is, man, there's so much hard work and practice that goes into that and studying and practicing impressions and you know those those kind of things once we phrase it in that way we all start to see yeah oh yeah when we truly have a picture of what that good life is what that freedom is it takes a lot of hard work limitations discipline yeah um i i have this quote that i was going to use that i didn't use and maybe i'll read it now it's by the author Annie Dillard who's a beautiful writer if you've if you've never read Annie Dillard i highly recommend um she says how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. A schedule defends from chaos and whim. It's a beautiful sentence. It is a net for catching days. It's a scaffolding on which a worker can stand and labor with both hands at sections of time. The whole idea, uh, you know, the, the image of a scaffolding is very much like the image of the trellis. Yeah. Right? That we've been talking about. that. Uh, this is a way that we can sort of uh, find rhythms or find habits or find you know what we do day by day hour by hour is in fact what we're doing with our lives and sometimes we forget that piece of it
1: just one thing and then I'm curious what you're thinking Kelly Um, the hockey analogy just one thing that I think often again subliminally uh, we wrestle with is we think you know so in hockey or let's take a different sport. Uh, let's take volleyball. I played some volleyball growing up. I liked volleyball, but you know, the phrase white men can't jump. <laughs> I, I'm only six feet tall. Which is great in high school, but that's where it stops being great. I was part of a Div 4 college volleyball team at my Bible college that lost every single game. (laughs) The biggest humiliation of my sports. Anyways, when we think sports, the reality is there's a natural limitation and there's an issue of natural ability. So you can practice, but there's a threshold. But the thing that's really different and actually maybe Mm -hmm. totally unique to spiritual formation, Mm -hmm. I I heard somebody say once, Uh, I think her name was Misty Edwards or something, a worship leader in the House of Prayer Movement. She said, uh, the thing about this journey into love, which is a summary of Christian spiritual formation, is that it is literally open to everyone. There's no elitism. There's no hierarchy. And the funny thing is we're so used to a hierarchical world. Her phrase, which I'll never forget, was the bar is so low that everybody's tripping over it and and so there's nobody listening to this there's nobody who could listen to this that it's like oh no you can't become a thousand pie lady yeah uh it it doesn't and and the the fruit of that there's a million versions of what that's that's part of the beauty of it isn't it is the
0: variety of of what that flourishing and
1: yeah
0: and the good life looks like for each of us that god has created us so uniquely
2: Hmm. yeah i think there's a, a a bit of a like you were talking about previous to a misconception about what is the what is the result of this right and I think what we fail to really grasp is that if if we are created by a god who has created us in his image and has good plans for us and desires relationship with us how on earth could we think that we are missing out by far following these spiritual practices um because we think we're gonna miss out on a movie or you know we're (laughs) the bar like that quote you're saying there that the bar is so low that we we're we're just doing it by human standards like our bar is only set by ourselves and that we think that this is good enough and and i I was also listening earlier today to somebody talking about, I can't remember who it was, um, and he was talking about how the logos, uh, you know, the word logos has so much more meaning than just word, and it really talks about uh, the meaning of life and and this idea. And he had this image about uh, how rabbis would have taught it in that, you know, you have The stick, and you have the string that that brings the bow together, the ends together, the ties, the ends Mm. together. And this is really what Logos is about, is about purpose in life. And I think that's what this trellis is about. It's about helping us grow that relationship with Christ in a manner that helps us truly understand how we are each created by God for God in order to bring about his purposes and how that joy is a... Uh, a measuring stick that is so far above our comprehension really even
1: yeah i'm I'm thinking of augustine and you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until we rest in thee and again one of the barriers of all this is uh, i i was telling lane earlier in a different conversation there's a funny dallas willard quote where he says there's no such tv show as miami virtue Hmm. but lots of people watch miami vice (laughs) And and or I heard somebody else, I think it was Andy Stanley say once nobody makes a TV show about a good marriage because it's amazing to be in one, but it's boring to watch it because the level of tension and conflict goes way down the level of just like nurture and joy. And and in a sense, you feel like an outsider to the love that you see. And and that's the thing about this life of the kingdom is I think uh, so often one, we just can't even imagine it. Mm. Uh, and and on the flip side so often if we're honest we like why do we love the dark stuff so much and that's what you were talking about with our malformed misshapen hearts
2: makes us feel better about ourselves that's why that's certainly part of it isn't it (laughs) or
1: distracts you like I know for me it distracts me sometimes from some of my own miseries or faults or you know like there's all and I have countless conversations in and outside of the church with people who talk about the ways like we all numb our pain yeah. We all have a sense that there's something more. A question for you guys, what, you know, so like freedom for uh, imagining the possibilities for an individual, for a family, for a church. What kind of things do we not talk about enough? You know, like paint the picture a little bit. I, I think one thing is I'm excited. I mean, Kelly, you're going to talk about this
0: a little bit more um, in the coming week uh, in your message and, uh, and just what, what there is in the in the monotony of of daily living you know that i mean i think it's fun to talk you know grand schemes of like wow end goal end of life you know how many pies did i bake and but but also like just the little moments of freedom that we get when we talk about our routines which is really what this series is gonna is gonna hone in on is like these things we do every day and how could they look different how can we think about them differently? And that to me actually is a very freeing image of trying to situate them. And Kel, a word you use quite a bit is this word of posture, right? Yeah. How to change the posture of those yeah. daily routines in such a way that like, I'm not always just putting in time at work and you know looking forward to the weekend or looking forward to summer holidays and I do this so that I can have a new toy or new whatever, but actually, yeah living in such a way that I, I'm taking captive each moment and each thing I do, right? Yeah,
2: relationships is a big yeah, part of that, right? Yeah. It's the lives that we touch and the lives that are we allowed to, to touch us as well. That's important. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know any other, uh, I don't have any other image, pictures necessarily. Yeah, it's good.
0: No, any final words,
2: gents? Looking forward to it. It's yeah, it be should a, be fun. a fun journey. Totally,
0: yeah.